This is Twa Team's One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, Jordan McGee, Dundee's MVP. Kids shine for Mickey Mellon's terrors. And the Scottish Cup final, will we have fans there? Hello, I'm Callum Woodger and welcome to another edition of Twa Teams One Street. As ever, I am joined by Dunhamer Dode, George Crant. Hello. The big bad bear, Graham Finnan's here as well. How you doing, mate? I'm doing fine, Callum. Hello, everyone. Good man. And we've also got a Twa Teams One Street debut for one of DC Thompson's Sport Desk's new recruits, Alan Temple. Hi, Callum. Hi, listeners. Pleasure to be on this award-winning podcast. I'll try not to bring down <laughs> the standards too much on my first appearance. I'm sure. I'm sure that won't be the case, mate. It can't get much lower, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> um, obviously, we've got Alan on here to talk about uh, playoff football. Talk about Dundee. Um, he spent a lot of lot of time at Capital City Press, Alan, covering Rafe Rovers. Am I right in saying that? Eh? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was about ten years or so, something like that, on the on the kind of Fife. Beat. Absolutely, and this has been one of the, the more exciting campaigns, particularly from a, a Wraith Rovers perspective. They've not um, had this sort of uh, concerted uh, success and certainly not this style of football for a very long time. Been through relegations, been through some bad times, but largely it's been a very, very thrilling campaign. But uh, naturally, you guys have me on just after they've been uh, they've been absolutely <laughs> rogered by Dundee. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll look forward to um, back to the bad old days of chatting about Wraith Rovers. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was absolutely by design on on George's part to get you on. Um, <laughs> absolutely, <obviously>. absolutely. <laughs> um, obviously, the two of you boys were at were at Starks Park last night for the first leg of the Premiership playoff semi final between Dundee and Wraith. Dundee running out three 0 winners. Uh, George McGee with a double, and Osman Sow with a late third. George, um, pretty much the the perfect night for Dundee. I don't think anyone was expecting anything like that. I think we were expecting a very tight game, sort of. You know, I was I was sitting there at Tardis, um, thinking, oh, it's going to be a nil nil. I don't have to rush home to watch this um, usual first leg of a playoff game, but um, terrific performance from James McPake's team. Yeah, they were superb all around the pitch. Really, um, I was the same. I was I was telling anybody who'd listen to me that I thought it was going to be nil nil, uh, <laughs> the classic first leg. Uh, nobody wants to lose it, but Dundee, the the quality of Charlie Adam really. Kicked Dundee on. It was it. His the through balls were were immense. Uh, I said the second one in particular, but the first one obviously set Dundee up. Wraith had a, a pretty decent first half um, because Dundee had nullified them quite well at Dens last month, and they, and they kind of went for the same approach. But I, I felt that Wraith coped with that, with that a lot better this time around. But then second half, as soon as Dundee got that second goal, they were they were, they were a, not on easy street, but they were well in control and. and they probably deserved their, their third goal in the end. Clean sheet as well. Um, there's very, very little uh, that didn't go right for them, to be honest. Uh, they had a few, a few moments uh, race in the first half, but Dundee nullified them completely. I don't think Wraith had a shot on target. I can't remember Legston's having a save throughout the, the whole game. And Dundee looked in, in really good shape, which is a very strange thing to say after covering from Dundee for all these years that I have. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that. From a, a, a Rafe point of view, Alan, what what went wrong for for John McGlynn's team? A bit of, bit of bad luck with the the Reagan Tumulty goal that was ruled out for offside, certainly. But apart from that, 
just not their night. It feels churlish to talk about an offside goal when you lose 3-0, but we should use that as a starting point from a Wraith Rovers perspective because if that goes in at 1-1, it is a completely different game. It's a different perspective in the tie. You are at that point in the quarter point of the tie and it's all square. So it's a big moment, but let's not kid ourselves that that's the only reason that Dundee are in such a strong position going forward. It was it was deja vu all over again in terms of the, the game at Dens Park. The Dundee, Dundee looked like they figured how to play Wraith Rovers out, to, to James McBake's uh, immense credit. They, they sit, they soak up, they let Wraith Rovers play their pretty patterns and they make themselves incredibly difficult to break down. And then in the meantime, as soon as those attacks break down, they are ready to go direct. They are ready to cut through Wraith Rovers and three passes when it takes Wraith Rovers 20 passes to cut through teams mm-hmm. because they play with such a precision and an, an attacking flair. It's, it's, a, it's a challenging way to play football if you're Wraith Rovers. And you look at Dundee, it's, uh, they, can, they can cut you open with one swing of Charlie Adams' left foot. I mean, that his, <laughs> his quality is, is, is staggering in terms of just pure technical ability. There's, I mean, let alone the championship, there's barely any better players in the in the Premiership when it comes to pure technical ability. And 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 Wraith Rovers just didn't have an answer. They, they they weren't able to cut Dundee open, and they weren't able to cope on the break when when um, when Dundee did their thing. Yeah, bear. Alan mentions it there. Charlie Adam, uh, his left foot is just a wand, isn't it? But two absolutely marvelous assists for for Jordan McGee. The first one particularly impressed you. Um, what a ping, and then a lovely cushion finish from from McGee. Yeah, it was. I mean, you can talk about Charlie all day long and, and you know, how gifted he is and, and that's the reason why he's done what he's done throughout his career and, and, and where he's been. But for me, I, I mean, Charlie got man of the match, but I mean, I think at this point in time, Jordan McGee is now Dundee's MVP and if you, if you watch American <laughs> sport, you'll, you'll know what that is. It's his most valuable <laughs> player and he, he simply is outstanding. Um, you know, the, the first goal, it's, I think it's a 40-yard pass from Adam. But it's a difficult finish, you know, a, a ball coming over your, his, his left shoulder and, and, and to take it on the volley and cushion it into the far corner away from Jimmy McDonald was absolutely sensational and wouldn't have looked out of place from a finish, from a, from a striker in the Premier League, in the Premier Premier League in England, you know, so it really was tremendous. Second goal, uh, an amazing pass from Charlie Adam, you know, to see that. He's got about a yeah. six-yard six yard space in which to play it, you know, Jordan McGee's bursting forward from the middle of the park. He's got a defender either side, and Charlie puts it right on his toe. But there's still a job to be done. When Callum, when 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 McGee gets in there, you know he he shows fantastic desire to go and win that ball because his first touch sort of takes it away from him and maybe gives Jamie McDonald a, a chance to get out and close close that area down. But McGee's got the determination and drive, you know, to to get there first and put Dundee in a very commanding position. And as I say. Um, he at this point in time, you know, he's come back from injury, and he was showing signs. To be fair, before he before uh, he got injured, he had been moved into the middle of the park, and uh, he'd been showing signs that he could be a very valuable player for Dundee in that area. And I think he he's got it. You know, he's got it. Oh, I mean, you can you can you look at guys like Adam Ashcroft, you know, McGowan and Cummins. Well, I would say McGee is equally as important to Dundee as these guys are. You know, he's. He's a guy who's comfortable in defence or in midfield. You know, he's got he's got power in the engine to drive from from yeah. box to box. He's got the ability to take a goal. You know, um, so yeah, he's he really was terrific last night, and along with Charlie Adam and, and you know, um, Alan rightly as as a Wraith Rovers uh, 
follower or certainly <laughs> I don't know if Alan's a Wraith Rover supporter or not but certainly he's been covering them on that, that beat not that daft now. come on no, thank, no. Thank, thankfully not Graham thankfully <laughs> not no, no. Um, but you were right enough to point out the offside goal I mean you know I think I think the linesman had his Dundee scarf tucked into his top as he, as he ran back to the halfway <laughs> line with, with his flag sort of thing you know And but I would, again once again I would say it would have been reactions and, and, and it's all sort of you know, conjecture. Would how would have, how would Dundee have reacted to that? How would Wraith have reacted to that? You know, um, I would like to think that Dundee would have studied themselves and um, gone on and gone again. But the way it worked out and the way the second half went for them, they'll now find themselves in a very, very commanding position ahead of the game. The return leg at Denz on Saturday. Yeah, Jordan McGee, George. He was he was massively impressive. Really shining in that box to box role at the moment. That's a ridiculous stat, isn't there? That going about that when he plays in that position, Dundee just don't lose. Well, going about it, it's me that's come up with that. So, that was me kind of giving you the platform to talk about your, your brilliant stat, George, and then you've just you've just kicked me in the balls for it. But okay, carry on. well, that's just what I like to do. That's all. Um, <laughs> I, the 11 games he's played since they moved him uh, to midfield up in Inverness when he scored, he was really good that night. It was he'd obviously had he'd. Struggled at the start of the season. I'm not sure what was going on. A bit of confidence or whatever in defence, and he'd come out of the team for a while. Uh, and then James McPeak stuck him in midfield, which surprised everybody, I think. But what a masterstroke has been! I mean, 11 games unbeaten since he's he's been in that position, and he showed last night just or on a Wednesday night just how. Important, just like Bear says, how important he is to that team now. He's, and, and that stat just kind of demonstrates that with 11 games unbeaten. He scored quite a few goals in, in there as well. Um, and it's, it's just the power that he gives to the middle of the park alongside, the, obviously, the quality of Ch- Charlie Adam. They complement each other really well. And, and then you've got Sean Bourne sitting in behind the two of them. I, I thought the midfield was really, really strong uh, at Starks Park. And that was the... The the main difference between the two teams, I think, was that Dundee's midfield was solid as anything when when Wraith had the ball, but when Dundee had the ball, they really made it count. Um, and I think it showed when McGee got injured at, at Broth, uh, that kind of strange shoulder chest injury. Um, Dundee's form kind of tailed off, and they were really inconsistent again. It's just shown when he's in that position that how important he is second leg takes place at Dens on Saturday it's a 7.45pm kickoff. Alan is there any way back for Rafe Rovers at this stage or is it job done for, for Dundee for you I think if you were clutching at straws you would perhaps look at Dundee shipping three goals in 12 minutes against Dunfermline <laughs> uh, an immeasurably weaker attacking force than Wraith Rovers and think well then perhaps three goals in 90 minutes is possible but I'm sure uh, you know you guys and particularly George haven't watched him Dundee so often will probably tell me that Dundee are a very different team from that team which shipped three goals um, in those 12 minutes so I mean the, the short answer is of course anything can happen but the long answer is Probably not because of all the reasons we've discussed. I think this Dundee team is fresher. Um, I think they've got tactically Wraith Rovers' number, to be perfectly honest. And I just I don't see how in the next three days 
um, John McLean can mastermind a way to beat this Dundee team. I think that the fatigue thing is important as well. I'm not, I wasn't sure how important it was going to be because it's a 27 uh, game championship season as opposed yeah. to a usual yeah. 36 game championship season. But uh, as I, I'm sure George would agree, you know, in the closing stages, I think you did yeah. did see signs of it. Just the the congestion of this uh, playoff calendar in terms of Wraith Rovers try to play. You know, with such a dynamism and such an inventiveness and uh, attacking flair, that it's exhausting. Frankly, I mean, so see when they were bombing forward late on, Dundee were picking them off. They were fitter. They could bring on young Max Anderson, just a bundle of um, energy there uh, to burst through and set up the third goal. They were just, they were fitter. They were fresher. They were better. And. And a fine season for Wraith Rovers, but I'd be stunned if it doesn't end on Saturday. Yeah, I think on, on that point, you talk about the, the fatigue. I think mental fatigue obviously comes into it as much as physical fatigue. Um, you know, with there being less games, yeah, but like you say, it's congested. Um, there's a lot of pressure on these guys, but um, different team, uh, Dundee, certainly bear. Um, we were talking about it before we came on air. There's a there's a confidence to Dundee now, a, a real solid base at the back that they, they seem to be building things from. Yeah, and that comes from results over the past, you know, dozen games or so. I mean, I always say that, you know, that switching the keeper um, was a big call, but it, it seems to have, that's the first first point of sort of studying the ship at the back, if you like. Um, thanks very much to Alan for bringing up that uh, Dunfermline game, by the way. Dundee fans <laughs> had, we, we had banished that from our memory, um, but you, you've thrown that one back in the mix now, so you know, um, we'll need, I'm sure there'll be a few boys thinking about that on, on uh, Saturday, but uh, really, the way Dundee are playing, you just I mean, I don't think Wraith had a direct shot at Adam Legsden's um, over the 90 minutes last night, so how they managed to get you know, three goals on Saturday. And I think, to be fair, I mean, George touched on it right at the top of the show. He, he's, you know, I, I felt the same thing. I, I was saying to everyone that, you know, nothing would be decided after the first leg. But, I, th- I mean, and I also felt that James McPeak should have changed his, his setup because, you know, I thought the, the way they the, the played against Wraith at Dens, it did work. But I thought that John McGlynn might counter that it starts part last night, but Dundee set up pretty much the same with just Cummins up front and, and, and being supported by McGowan and, and McMullen and the midfielders bursting through. And it worked a treat. It worked a treat. So that's that's why McPeak's the manager and I'm stuck doing producing sports pages at midnight, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's a long way it's a long way back for Wraith Rovers on Saturday. And I, I've got to say I think James McPeak will just do exactly the same thing again. I don't think it'll change too much in terms of personnel unless somebody's got maybe a wee knock and but I do think in the last half hour or so if they've, they've still got that sort of lead um, or, or certainly if they've sort of added to that, you, you may well see maybe guys uh, getting a run, maybe Jordan Marshall having a wee look at him to see if yeah. what sort of state he's in going into the, the playoff final. That would be one to have a look at and maybe just arrest a couple of the guys as well. But uh, yeah, I think I think Dundee can safely say that you know they've, they've got more than one foot in the final now. George, just on, on James McPake, Bale's kind of singing his praises there for the way he's done He's done a tactical job recently, but it just feels like over the last dozen games or so, he's, he's really matured as a manager. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I think so. You can see that in his team. Everything seems to be coming together at just the right time for Dundee. And he's obviously had his critics, a few of them, over his almost, almost two years now in charge. But it's he's still a young manager, he's still learning. He, I think there's there's been times when he's admitted that he's got things wrong, and I think that's just what happens when when you got a young manager. It's you can see that when you've got a young player in a team. Um, yeah, 
you just have to you're going to have to put up with them making errors at times. I think it's the same when you've got a young manager. Um, the thing about Dundee is that, and we criticise sometimes uh, John Nelms for maybe giving managers too long, but you, you could see they had every faith uh, in James McPake to get the team where they wanted them to be. And I would, I would well, they look like they're going to be in that playoff final. I think that's probably... Well, as as I think Bear said before, that's James McPake and, and Dundee would probably take that at the start of the season. Um, yeah, having the chance to 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 go up against the the Premiership team and try and take their place in the top flight. Um, that'll be a tough one if they get there. Um, but no, I think I think he's really yeah. I think maturing. I, th- I think that's probably the right way to put it, Calum. I think. There's just a real confidence throughout everybody. James McPake was talking after the game at Starks Park about the trust the players have in each other, and that's you could see that coming through. And that comes from good management, and good good leadership at the top. I would say, um, he's. I think what he's done really well is he's got real leaders on the pitch. Yeah. It, we've talked a lot about him bringing through youth, young players, but guys are. Paul McGowan's been he's been brilliant recently. A bit mm. under the radar um at times. But then, and then you've got Charlie Adam, you've got Lee Ashcroft has, has been immense. Liam mm. Fontaine's really important, I think. Uh even Sean Byrne. Yeah, Sean Byrne, exactly. I mean, there's there's players there with real experience. And, and I think that there are there are times in the past few weeks where that's really shown. Uh, and Dundee have Dundee have shut the door quite a lot on teams now. That, which is yeah. The big difference from the start of the season where the defence was a bit leaky. Uh, very leaky against O'Fermlin in those 12 minutes that Alan mentioned. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about that anymore. That's, that's <laughs> off the table. Yeah. It's all you, we've you see... got at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll throw out another stat. I was, I, I was thinking about Dundee's away form recently. Uh, they've kept five clean sheets in the last six away from home, which tells you that that's a team that's maturing as well. Um, yeah, it's a strong unit, isn't it? From from yeah, back to front, yeah. certainly. I think that that's been the, the real kind of foundation. Uh, and there's been three three nil wins in, the, in there as well. So there's goals at the other end. It's the, we, we all knew the quality was there throughout the season, um, but now it seems to be coming to the fore and then teams coming together rather than just individual players, which could maybe be accused yeah. of Dundee at some points this season, but. They look like a real team now. No, they're certainly looking dangerous. Um, and, and working off the assumption that Dundee will make the the, the playoff final bear. Um, who do they want to face in that that two legged game? Kilmarnock second bottom um, at the moment as things stand. Ross County could still um, fall into that that spot there. Tenth Hamilton are effectively relegated after the Staggies beat them two one on Wednesday night. Um, as a Dundee fan bear, who would you like to see the mm-hmm. Dark Blues going up against if they can obviously get through the second leg against it's, Wraith? It's a really tricky one, Callum. I would have said a few weeks back, I would have said I would have taken Ross County. And I, I said that, that I thought Ross County would be relegated straight off because they've been leaking goals all season. And that, that still continues to be the case. But unfortunately for Hamilton, they've times have finally caught up with them and, and they'll be playing championship football next season um, so it's Killy or Ross County but just over the last wee while I, I'm looking at Killy and you know I'm beginning to think that you know it, it, it doesn't really matter because I think Dundee will have a chance against both teams I look at Killy and I think you know they, they do have 
um, a bit of experience there in, in their manager. Obviously, Tommy Wright, vastly experienced manager. And they've got players like uh, Kyle Lafferty, Chris Burke, uh, Gary Dicker, Greg Cutley. They're, they're a decent side. They're a yeah. decent side, but they've shown a fragility, Callum, in the last wee while. And they look to me, and, and if they do end up in that playoff spot, that adds that all adds tension to everything. It's a it's a tense, tense affair. And suddenly, the balance swings. I think because at this point in time, Dundee were under a wee bit of pressure just to get through the final. I think most Dundee fans would have expected them to get by Wraith. I know Wraith have had a terrific season, but going back over the course of the season with Hearts in the league, the worst case scenario I would have thought for Dundee was getting to the playoff final. That would have been acceptable to them. Now I think the pressure will, as it always does, will go on to the Premiership side. And whoever it is will be under that sort of pressure and will have to deal with it. And you look at Kelly, I mean, they're still leaking goals. They've conceded, I think, something like eight goals in their last three games. So that, that gives you hope as well. And there's another thing as well. Dundee used to have a problem playing on, on acid stuff, and a lot of teams do. But over this last last week period, this season even, Dundee have, have, have looked better on acid stuff than I've seen them in their entirety. They look yeah. very comfortable on, on the synthetic surfaces. They've got players who, who are, are, are good ball players and, and they, they can play sort of E1-2s and open the play up going from side to side and the ball stays through. And that may have something to do with the fact that Denz has been an, the pitch at Denz has been an absolute nightmare this year. <laughs> you know, and I'm not I'm not having a, a real pop at the groundsman and I think it's just down to the fact that we had a terrible, terrible winter because Denz by this point in time is normally well up to scratch. It's normally pretty good through February and March as well, but it really was, it really was terrible. So they probably enjoyed more playing on Arsenal stuff than they have uh, in the past. So, yeah, from that respect, I, I think you'll take in them. I've got a feeling now looking at it, it will be uh, Kilmarnock will, will be up against. So it's set up, it's set up nicely um, without tempting feet, obviously, and, and without doing any yeah. disrespect to Wraith yeah. Rovers because we've got to play them on Saturday. Absolutely, it's a big weekend ahead. Dundee will be looking to book their place. In the playoff final, Kelly's fate is sort of out of their hands. They, they head for, for Hamilton on the last day. County are at Motherwell. County are in the box here, aren't they? They, they just got to pick up a point of of some description um, at Far Park and, and they'll be they'll be safe. One more bit of business to wrap up before we move on and talk about Dundee United. George, uh, Lee Ashcroft, sweeping up the Player of the Year prizes. Um, Players Player of the Year and Fans Player of the Year. Uh, he deserves that, doesn't he? He's been fantastic. Yeah, he's been the... The real trigger for uh, for Dundee's really impressive second half of the season, his goals. I mean, he's the defender, so you obviously think he's that's very strongest, and he has been very good. I would say he's probably the best player in the air in the entire division. I can't think of anybody yeah. would top him in both boxes. He's pretty immense when, when the ball's in the air. He's he's winning it, and he's shown that at the other end. So impressively with all the goals he scored, uh, and there was, some of them have been really big goals as well. We're talking about the their away form that that kicked off with the, the win at Alawa, where he scored twice, and, and Alawa just couldn't deal with him at all. Um, and, and that kicked off, and then he scored that the goal to to win the point at, at Morton, and uh, not against Morton at home, um, and the Dunfermline game, which was. Which showed the difference in the in the this Dundee Dundee team as well coming from two goals behind. He was a major part of that. Paul McGowan putting in the corners and, and Ashcroft just all over them, all over the defence, smashing headers towards the goal and, and things yeah. happening. Um, and 
James Big actually said this week he thinks there's there's even more to come. He thinks he can kick on. Now he he says he's a premiership defender. Now he he wants to be a premiership defender in in a Dundee shirt. Um, I think so, he's, I think he's right about that. I think he's right. He can definitely make the step up. There's plenty in that team who can certainly. I think so, um, and it'd be really interesting actually if it's Kilmarnock, if providing obviously Dundee don't absolutely mess things up on Saturday. If it is Kilmarnock, <laughs> that's where Lee Ashcroft uh, started, started his career. Yeah. He played uh, a few yeah. years at Kilmarnock in the Premier League, so that'll be uh, interesting whether he has any any sympathy for for their play, or he just wants to put them down and get done with that. Just, just to add to the, the hero-grams for um, Lee Ashcroft, I mean, covered <laughs> quite a bit of him when he was at, at Dunfermline, and yeah, as well as being such a fine fine player, you know, he was such a, a, a big personality around the place. He was club captain for a period, and then we had the unique situation where he was removed as club captain, and um, Paul Payton came in and took over the captaincy with Lee becoming vice-captain and he dealt with that with such a maturity. He was still a leader in the dressing room. He still helped out Paul Payton with all those duties. But there was a feeling that was just a wee, a wee change he did in terms of the armband. And I think that whole process and his performances at Dunfermline went a long way to summing up not only what he was like as a, as a player, but also uh, a person as well. Dundee have got a, a diamond there, and I agree that there's, there is plenty more to come from him. That, that doesn't think, surprise uh, me. I haven't spoken to him a few times this season. He's always one uh, after games, no matter how bad the result's been, if there are certain players that you ask for because you know they'll come, no matter how bad it is. Some players just don't, don't want to talk after a game when it's been a bad result. Lee Ashcroft's the type of boy who will always come and always front up, and that's great respect for him. I think he's he's been a, a great sign. He's also extremely loud, which it's obviously easier <laughs> to hear when there's no fans. But the voice is something else uh, coming from the back line, uh, and that's been a big thing as well. I think that uh, communication. Um, but the first time I saw him, I was like, wow, he's <laughs> that's that's some bellow he's got on him. He's, he's it, uh, I was really impressed the first time I saw him. He, he maybe didn't hadn't shown how good he could be in the first half of the season when the team as a whole was was not quite uh, firing. But he's really come on. Yes, yeah, so we like the boys that do come up and speak to us after the games. Um, you know, uh, you don't always have to do it, but I uh, appreciate Lee Ashcroft and the other guys who come and speak to us after lemons after after results even <laughs> get pumped. So, um, always, questions. always good, always good. Um, I think Bear described was it. Jordan McGee earlier in the show is Dundee's MVP of course that means most valuable player I think uh, Lee Ashcroft got Dundee's most valuable pass with the amount of goals he scored with his head so um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll leave it at that but certainly a well deserved uh, double award win for Lee hopefully he's celebrating more come the end of the season and Dundee get themselves back in the Premiership uh, one team on Tannadice Street already in the top flight uh, is Dundee United Yes, well, that was that was obvious, wasn't it, Callum? The only other team on uh, Tannadice Street, and <laughs> um, the and the top and the top flight all seasons. Not not exactly breaking news, um, but uh, yes, we're going to go in and talk about the terrors. I had to I had to think of a link at the top of my feet. All right, uh, I was just thinking that, that. Yeah, I was thinking that's a really good link, Callum. You're getting good at this, and then yeah. I know, I know, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm maturing just like James and Jake, so. Um, like a, like a cheese rather than a wine, but there you go. Um, <laughs> United, away from the Premiership, were in Scottish Cup action um, last Saturday, a 2-0 defeat to Hibs in the semi-final. 
um, disappointing day. I think you know there was a a real desire um, to get the club back to these stages, and it was it was celebrated. But I think even on the day, the, the disappointment was there that um, they just didn't really show up. Um, and and you know I think they were beaten by the better team, didn't take their chances. Um, Kevin Nisbet with a fantastic goal in the first half, and then a little bit of controversy <laughs> around Christian <laughs> Doidges in the second half, um, like a good yard or two offside. Um, Alan, what what did you make of the the match uh, watching on at home? Well, here's a fun fact for you: the the bear was talking about uh, the linesman's uh, Dundee uh, <laughs> scarf at uh, the yeah, Starks Park. Yeah. Um, the linesman Alan Mulvaney is the same man who um, did not raise his flag for Christian Deutsch uh, to scamper through uh, and score against Dundee United. So oh, really? um, it's been quite wow. a few days for Mister Mulvaney. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that, he's that in, that in Dundee's Dun- 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 Hall of Fame now. He's just, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. he's just <laughs> been voted in. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, I think um, uh, Callum's uh, piece that you can uh, read online, obviously, with, with Jamie Robson sort of uh, summing things up in the sense that it killed the game. Was that the difference between the sides? That would be a, a stretch. I think Dundee United didn't quite do themselves justice on the day and Hibs, I think it would be hard to argue, were not the better side. But the bottom line is, if, it's, if there's still just one goal in a game, then it goes into the closing stages and... Of course, Dundee United have got a chance. They've got goals in that team. Hibs getting nervous, as you mentioned. I've, you know, covered the the Edinburgh and, and Fife beat for for ten years, and I can assure you, Hibs will get nervous at Hamden <laughs> if it's going um, late on and the game's still in the balance. So th- that killed it. It gave Hibs a sense of security and confidence that. Hibs aren't always familiar with it and don't always have at Hamden and it allowed them to see out the game quite comfortably. As I say, I think Hibs were the better team and I think Dundee United might have some regrets about their overall performance, but at the same time, that that decision was a was a game killer and you can understand why managers get so infuriated when when big decisions occur on big stages because that is the one thing you you can't legislate for yeah you mentioned that 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 if that goal doesn't doesn't count then it, it might have changed things bear you know united did have quite a few chances towards the end of the game jamie robson probably the one boy you don't want it to fall to um yeah. on his on his weaker right foot hmm. he hooks it past the post shankland had a couple of close things i uh, think matt macy made a really good save he's near post from from Shankland, but there were chances there towards the end of the game where, where United were growing into it um, very slowly, but maybe just too little too late. Yeah, and I think when you are 2 nothing down, it's a long way back. I think Alan, Alan's right, you know, if it had been one nothing, then, you know, Hibs might have been creaking at that point, but you've always got that cushion of that extra goal when you're running the last 10 minutes, you, you think you can see it out. And I think in general, you know, I think Hibs were, were the better team. Um, it was a it was a bit of a flat show from United. We hoped it wouldn't have been the two league games leading up to it had been disappointing. I think, unfortunately for Dundee United, I think the, the, the game at Aberdeen, the, the, the quarter final up at Pittori, when they were really sensational that day, they gave you know the United fans a real a real sense of hope that they could go on and win this competition. And, and the way they played that day, they genuinely could have, but that had yeah. to be tempered by the fact that Aberdeen even though it, it, it was at Pittori and even though Aberdeen have still got good players, it was a, an abysmal performance by Aberdeen. United ran over the top of them that day, um, but they just couldn't recreate it against the Hibs side um, that, that showed that, you know, great finish from Nisbet. Dodge might well have been 
Well, he was, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm showing my colours here, but he was offside, um, but he still got to finish. And, it, you know, another, it was a, both goals were side foot finishes right into the corner, gave Dennis Mehmet no chance. And, you know, that's what United needed. United needed that from McNulty. United needed that from Shankland on the day. And it just wasn't there. And it hasn't really yeah. been there all season for the Tangerines. And I think, Callum, as well as Mickey Mellon's done in getting them, you know, getting them to a position of safety very quickly, you know, in their first season back in, in the top flight with a team that is really is, is, is almost entirely made up of the, the squad that, that did so well in the championship last season. There's still a section of the fans unhappy with performances and, and unhappy with, uh, you know, the, the manager. Um, and that's disappointing, um, you know, because I think, it, I think as, and I keep harping on about it, it's, it's, a, it's a historical thing because Dundee United feel that they should be in cup finals, they should be challenging in the top half of the league. And I'm afraid that, you know, that, that's maybe asking a wee bit too much, given the restrictions that Mickey Mellon's had to uh, had to put up with uh, financial restrictions over the course of the season. So, yeah, really disappointing, a really disappointing show from United. But, you know, Hibs have had their own, as Alan's touched on, you know, they've had their own disappointments in semi-finals and finals over, over the years as well. So, um, they now become firm favourites for the Cup. And I think uh, it's... Uh, it's down to their, their attack and prowess, to be fair. Yeah, well, they had two semi-final defeats already this season, which yeah. is incredible, given that yeah. the, the Scottish Cup kind of the semi-final, uh, the final from from last season took of place. Of course, yeah, this season. So, uh, yeah, no, um, well deserved from from Hibs. You have to say that, despite the wee bit of controversy around Dodge's goal, um, George Bear, Bear sort of mentions it there the the fan expectation of United to have done better than they have, but t- taking that away. Um, and looking at it from a neutral perspective, would you say it's been a good season for, for the Terrors? Yeah, I mean the the the, the first job was um, get yeah the, the first job was just to secure Premiership football. That that was the basis. Uh, I'm sure uh, Mickey Mellon was brought in on. Um, yeah. So I had, I had a good cup run. That's it's a bit of a bonus, but. Yeah, it just feels like it's kind of fell flat a bit, as United have a few times this season in terms of the, their attack and play. That we've talked quite a lot on this podcast about about it. It just the semi final felt like uh, they kind of like the days at the start of the season when United were really struggling in front of goal. Uh, it was just missing a spark. Um, but overall, I mean, you can't you can't really. Have a go, uh, to be honest, because United have steered well clear of relegation. That they weren't really not far away from getting a top six place. Yeah. Um, you think maybe if if they just added a few more goals in that other game, they would have got that top six. Um, and look how much uh, St Johnston had been loaded for. I know they've got their cup exploits, but top six as well. They were only a, a few, what a couple of points ahead of United. Um, yeah, well, they were, overall, uh, they were only. A- they're only a few seconds away from not making the top six before someone exactly. shot themselves in the foot, which I, you know, just about finished crying about now. So, um. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention that, but since you mentioned, it, <laughs> um, but not I. I think it's job done, but there is work to be done on on the way they go about things and their their attack and play. Defensively, they've been fine overall, um, but get put the ball in the net is most important thing. Uh, Basics of football score more teams and more goals than our team. Um, they're still missing that link between the, the midfield and attack for me. Um, 
and they need to sort that out. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mellon has had his hands tied, as, as Bear said, he's not really been able to bring in his own players. I think Ryan Edwards and, and Yando Fuchs, Fuchs, even, oops, um, has been the, the only ones he's been able to bring in. I, th- I think they, they need a, a provider. That's what they're after. Um, interested to see what happens over the summer on that front. Fuck me, George. I can't believe you just swore on the podcast. I don't believe <laughs> no. it. Uh, totally <laughs> fucked up there, mate. Totally. <laughs> um, I think uh, you know, you're talking about the oh, it's disappointing that they, you know, the, the, in the final third at Hamden. Yeah, I would agree, but they, they created a lot of chances. It was more the finishing that really let them down. I think, you know, Robson's yeah, it was just, o- I, it felt like there was just a spark missing they needed the whole performance needed something from one of their big players and it just wasn't just wasn't quite happening it just felt like one of those days yeah no i think you're right um but you know the one player that they had been missing um for me anyway is logan chalmers um he came back on wednesday night uh for the premiership game against motherwell it was a 2-2 draw in the end but he's the kind of guy we're talking about isn't he he's the kind of guy that can come on and and be the spark and make a difference. Um, he got the, the 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 assists for both goals. Um, Lawrence Shanklin getting his ninth of the season, and young Archie Mikkelsen, um, only nineteen, making his, his full Dundee United debut with a, a terrific second goal. Um, sort of fell away in the second half a little bit. Um, Chris Long and, and Devante Cole earning Motherwell a point in the end. Bear, but it's good to see guys like Chalmers Mikkelsen, um coming on, having influence on the game and. From a personal note, and from Chalmers as well, not seen a lot of him this season because of injury, but um, hopefully he can kick on and have a big, big campaign next time. Yeah, no, it's uh, certainly from from a Chalmers' point of view, he was almost in a position where he, he was starting to hold down a spot in the United lineup when when injury struck. So good to see him back. Vitally important that United get these young lads into the team now, and and terrific that they all look as though they're they're well capable of of, of doing a job because they're going to need them next season. Um, you know, I don't think finances are, are going to improve dramatically to the point that United will be able to bring in a raft of players. There, there will be will be some coming, but if you can if you can bring in three or four young lads who are, are sort of Premiership ready, then that's a great place great place to be. I mean, we've got like Kerr Smith getting a game, Meekinson, Logan Chalmers, my big bait, Louis Perry. You know, he's uh, uh, he's not that old, so. I think he can still play a role, and there's one or two others as well kicking around Callum in the, yeah. you know, in the in the youth that are, that are knocking at the door. And and as I've, I've said in the past, these guys getting into the first team will drive on the younger ones as well. So it's yeah, it's good to see. And I'm sure that uh, the, the, a few of them will get a run, uh, you know, during during the last game uh, against St Mirren at the weekend. But more importantly, that you know these guys really are part of that first team squad now for next season because you know we're seeing it right through Scottish football. Um, clubs are starting to look a wee bit more at their, their academies to get guys in. I mean, you're, you're seeing likes up at Aberdeen now. Um, I'm, I'm sure Stephen Glass is going to be in a similar position where, although it's it's not sort of said publicly, privately, he will be under pressure to get some of these young lads into the team because Aberdeen have taken a massive hit, like a lot of clubs during um, this pandemic, and uh, there just won't be the finances there to, to recruit. You'll have to recruit from within, so... Yeah, good starting point for these guys and a bit of freshness for United after after the Cup. Yeah, I think that's been the overall vision at Tanadice for a long time now is to sort of 
um, develop their own talent. I think Mickey Mellon used the word um, organically develop their own talent last <laughs> night. So I don't know if that's uh, football or horticulture, but there you go. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no fertilizer, is that it? <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I don't know. Putting them in, putting them all in grow bags down at uh, Park, I don't know, but uh, certainly an interesting way to look at it. But I thought last, uh, I was at the game on Wednesday night last night um, as we record the show today. Um, I thought they were excellent. I thought they, they, they were the real spark. And when they came off, things actually dipped for for United. They brought in more experienced heads and, um, you know, the game fell away from them a little bit. But Logan Chalmers certainly is a positive player. He attacks people, he runs at them. Um, people stand off him as well because they know if they've got a trick up his sleeve and they don't want to jump in and commit too early. So um, he's getting great balls in the box. Shankland was, you know, loving the service. Um, something he's missed all season. I think it's really counted against him in terms of his hopes. Um for, for the Scotland squad for, for scoring more goals in the Premiership you know he's not really had the service and a kid like Chalmers still only 21 um, not played a great deal of football still but um, he, he really had a massive impact on the game Archie Mikasin as well we saw it in flashes down at Kilmarnock um, a couple of weeks back when he came off the bench and he, he, he had a couple of you know played a couple of nice balls had a, a couple of decent efforts um, but it was a terrific finish you know uh, ran, ran onto the ball curled it in off the post um, so he looks like a real talent for the future as well and and you mentioned it there Bear you're a big mate Louis Appery but he um, he won the penalty as well that that ultimately you know, cost United the, the win in the end you know they were 1-0 up at the time and and uh, it was it was good pressing from Mikasin and Appery to win the ball back and um, I think it was uh, Taylor McGlore who, who brought Appery down in the box Shanklin steps up and well he shanks it <laughs> miles wide um, and, and that probably you know, looking at the result now, if they'd scored that then and, and gone on and got another, um, it, it would have been game over. But certainly the impact of the young players was was encouraging. They might get another wee run out um, on Sunday as they travel to St Mum to end the season. Uh, seventh spot, still in their sights. Alan, do you think they can achieve it? It's getting a wee bit tight in there with Motherwell and the buddies. Undoubtedly, they can. Um I think it's interesting what you're saying there about the the kind of faith in youth and although I know there's a financial imperative to to finishing as high as possible between seventh and eighth that sort of thing, I, I don't think I would I would prioritise that above the continued uh, faith being shown in the young players during this the, this period because yeah. I think that's something that will get the fans really on side. I was listening there to you guys discussing the fact that. Dundee United's results on the face of it for a newly promoted team have been acceptable. However, there have been other kind of intangibles that that maybe have, have led to some criticism, the style of football obviously being one of them at times. But another thing that can really get fans on board, another thing that can really create uh, change the mood around any football club is just uh, fans seeing one of their own out on the pitch. And Mikasin, Kerr Smith, Logan Chalmers, Louis Aperi, these guys... I think fans will accept inconsistency. They will accept hit and miss. They will accept perhaps throwing away a, a two-goal lead, um, you know, against Motherwell. <laughs> if it's there, you know, if it's I say, you know, if, if some progress is happening alongside that. So yes, they can still finish seventh. Yes, it's still important that they finish seventh. But during this little kind of. Um, uh, saunter towards the end of the season. I think uh, the most important thing is, you know, keep faith with some of these kids and give the fans uh, a glimpse of, of the future because I think that's probably what they want more than anything right now. Yeah, it's a big big summer ahead for, for Dundee United and deciding where they go. And, and, and like you say, Alan, I think it's a good opportunity now for them to, to test some of these boys and see how much of an impact and how much they can rely on them next season so they know what they need to bring in um, to fill gaps. There's been uh, interest in a few United players. Um, Benjamin Segrist is one. Um, he's been 
courted by Ipswich, supposedly. We knew Celtic and a few teams in Germany who'd been interested in the big keeper. Um, Bear, if he leaves, can can Dennis take the gloves and, and can United rely on him or do they need to go and, and look for someone else? I think Dennis can can take the gloves quite comfortably. He knows the club. You know, I, I don't think he's let anyone anyone down. It, it's difficult because he's he, he's replacing the man who's been absolutely outstanding for the last eighteen months, and that's always that always makes life more difficult. You you, you know, you're under scrutiny straight away for making the slightest mistake. Um, but no, I think he's he, he's well capable. Obviously, they would need someone else in there as a backup. But uh, you know, I don't think it's it would be vitally important to go and and try to recruit. You know, a top top keeper certainly. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think Dennis Mehmet is more than capable of, you know, replacing Benjamin Segrist if he, if he goes. And I know he's, he's keen, he said that, and I think it was you interviewed him this week, Callum, he's, he's keen to do that and show and prove that he is good enough to do that. Um, whether Benji leaves or not, um, he, he's, he must have some suitors, given the, the sort of form he has been in. Um, he's in the last year of his contract, I believe, yeah. so... United, United might look to cash in if they could get some sort of some sort of cash from you know it might be it might be a way of getting some money in the club as well. Notice I always come to you for the goalkeepers. You know, uh-huh. Trust your opinion on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, you obviously um, never saw me play, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm far too young, mate. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, and I'm I'm going to go to George for the next one. I don't know why, no reason, but Kerr uh, Smith, uh, one of the youngsters we were mentioning. He's uh he's been you know the subject of interest pretty much since we've known about him uh, since he burst onto yeah. the, the first team picture at like fifteen years old. You can list pretty much any club in the English Premier League. Um, but Manchester United certainly interested. Aston Villa, Liverpool, Leicester, Southampton, all supposedly looking at him. Um, how how does he go about deciding what to do? Because we've seen it in the past. Players go down south. Um, say for instance, you know you, you look at it from from a United perspective, Scott Allen. Disappears down to West Brom. Nothing really happens. Comes back up. Has a good career in Scotland, but you know maybe it would have just been better staying with United. On the other side of it, Billy Gilmore goes down to Chelsea at a young age, gets criticised for it. But look at him now; he's flying. What what does Kerr Smith do in this situation if there is a, an offer on the table from one of these teams? It's a tricky one when you put it like that. Obviously, there's the the other side of it, and and the fact you you the likelihood is you're going to a bigger club that's got immense resources that with amazing coaches and, and training facilities and you're also getting yeah. a, a very tidy cron- contract no doubt uh, with United obviously had Scott Banks more recently mm-hmm. done that went down to Crystal Palace um, I think it comes down to the the player themselves uh, and and how I don't know they, or, or maybe who's advising them and, and whether the uh it's all about going going early for the big contract, or you, or is it better to stay at the club and get first team football? Which I think is always extremely important for a young player, mm-hmm. rather than, than playing in, in reserves and, and underage f- football down south and maybe under twenty threes or whatever. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it all depends on the player. But from a United point of view, I, I think they can only take uh, the positives out of a situation where if these big clubs are after one of their players. I think yeah. it's a great, it's a feather in the cap for United's youth system. They can go at other, yeah. other young players, obviously much younger than Kerr Smith at the moment, but they can go, you come to our, our youth system. These are the teams that are looking at our youth players. So mm-hmm. you come here and, and learn, learn 
how to get in our first team and you might you'll get in our first team and then there's a possibility of making a, a huge jump in your career or you stick around at Tannadice become a, a first team player and become really useful for, for Dundee United I, I think it's it's only positive even though there's a chance that United might lose a young player a good young player um, the the kind of intangible thing of enticing other good young players from around Scotland to come to them, I, th- I think is, is it could be a really big thing for, for the future for United. And the key thing for for Kerr um, is is he's playing as well, isn't he? You know, he's getting he is, he's playing now. Oh, yeah. He's getting opportunities now at sixteen. So you know, it shows that there's there's a faith in him from you know the hierarchy at the club from his from his manager Mickey Mellon. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's potentially, you know, a big summer ahead for him. Maybe there's a decision to make, who knows. But from the little I've seen of him, he certainly looks to have um, a lot of attributes and I can see why there's interest from from clubs of that stature. Um, in terms of people staying or, or, or incomings anyway, um, Mickey Mellon uh, last week sort of reaffirmed his, his, his commitment to the club, saying he's, he's still 100% committed. Um, obviously, there was a bit of um, speculation about, about him leaving the club and, and joining Doncaster, that, that position. Um, in Yorkshire is still vacant, so there's 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 that hanging over United. Still, he's he's got a year left to run on his deal, does Mickey? But um, he seems happy at Tannadice, um, and he's looking to to try and do a deal for for Mark McNulty. Bear um, is that a player that you, you know you think it'd be worth United having a look at and trying to get in again next season, whether that's another loan from Reading or or yeah. whether it's it's a permanent deal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure that Mickey Mellon would love to have Mark McNulty. Um, at Tannadice next season but uh, I think you've got to appreciate that Mark McNulty is on a comparable wage to Lauren Shankland at this point in time which runs into several thousand pounds a, a, a week uh, as we're led to believe um, I know that Reading are picking up a, a swathe of that at this point in time but would they be willing to do that again next season so yeah the, the, the talk of getting Mark McNulty back um, well it's well you know it could be good for United I think you know whether they could actually meet his wage demands um, could be another thing. Um, it's very difficult, very difficult to see that that coming off um, in some shape or form. I doubt very much if Redmond would allow him to come north in the final year of his contract. They'll be looking to, to cut a deal with someone now. If they want him out of Redmond, they'll be looking to do something somewhere else. And again, that would put Mark McNulty in the shop window himself. If they were just looking to offload him, could Dundee United you know, match, match other clubs' uh, willing to sort of pay for his services. Just on the on the, the youngsters column and, and at Tannadice, if we go back, the, I think what we're seeing now is, you know, English clubs, top flight clubs, there's a good market in Scotland. But mm. what, they're, what they're doing is that they're hoovering up uh, all the potential young talent and, and the money that they have to pay to get these guys south of the border, and whether, whether it be uh, a quarter of a million, half a million even, you know, it's a drop in the ocean if they can get that Billy Gilmore. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? They get they yeah. get a guy down there, develop him, and suddenly he's in there playing in their first team, playing Champions League games. You know that's a gamble well worth taking on some of these players. Um, whether it's good for the, for the players, um, you know, only time can tell. A lot of them go down there. You know, we've seen it in the past. They go down, they go into the academies, and you never hear of them again for five or six years until they suddenly pop up somewhere. You know, um, playing for a lower league team in England, and, and then eventually end up back in Scotland. So it's, you know, that's what that's what youngsters have to take into account um, when they're thinking about you know going south. It's, I mean, they're a mile off the first team, um, certainly that's for sure when they initially go down there. You know, they've got yeah. to work really hard to get themselves into that position. Well, another yeah, one to remember, just on as you were saying, but Ali Coote, you remember him? Yes, 
Uh, actually, you know what, George? I was tr- I was desperately trying to think of his name. I couldn't remember. <laughs> so, so well done. Well, that's the thing. He, yeah. he played for United in the in the Premiership, I think, before they came down. Yeah. And then it, it looked like a really impressive prospect. Got picked up by Brentford, and then it just kind of careers kind of disappeared a wee bit. He was yes. off the radar. Yes. He's now uh, yeah. he's now actually playing quite well in Ireland, but I think George is right in saying that's probably yeah. not where he, he necessarily envisaged his journey when he yeah. when he left and United for Brentford. Although I, I, I certainly hope he's uh, enjoying his football over there. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the, the flip side to the, that that can happen if you're not playing first team football. You kind of get forgotten about it a wee bit sometimes. Yeah, it's a lot of big decisions to make for for young men. It's very difficult. Um, It'll be an interesting summer ahead. I'm sure there's, we'll have plenty to talk about in this podcast about United, but their season, um, in terms of actual games of football, is practically almost over. Uh, two teams who still have a lot um, at stake to play for, Hibs and St Johnston in the Scottish Cup final. Yes, week on Saturday, Scottish Cup final, Hibs against St Johnston, obviously Saints, a local team for us on Tayside. It's a great showpiece. Um, for the game, no old firm involved. Um, I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to the the contest personally. Um, Bear for you, who are the favourites going into? It? Obviously, St Johnston having a fantastic season. Betfred Cup winners, but Hibs secured uh, third spot yeah. just last night. Um, really interesting contest. I, I've got to say, St Johnston rode their luck at Dens Park against Dundee um, in the previous <laughs> a, a previous. You're round, still going so. on about this. Yeah, but fair play to them. Fair play to them. They've got themselves to the final. No, the, I mean, I watched the game on Sunday and I know it's painful for you, Callum, but St Johnston uh, were by far the, the better team. They've got a they've got a really sound unit at this point in time. A solid defence. They've got a bit of mobility up front. They're good in midfield. They've got experience. They've got, they've got youth. They've got a lot going for them, but they're going to need to have a lot going for them to beat this Hibs side um, in, the, in the final. Um because for me, I mean, we said right right from the outset of this season, but I think we may, we may have all predicted that Hibs would finish third in the league this term. And Jack Ross has, you know, has has produced. Um, and I always I always hark back to the front three. I remember Martin Boyle on his time at Dens, and he was a bit of a, you know, he'd come from Montrose, and he never really produced at Dens. A lot of guys look at him now and say, that's not the Martin Boyle we saw at Dens. And it wasn't, because Martin Boyle is a rare breed of football who has actually... He's learned everywhere he's went in the game and he's now a much more rounded player, as you would expect. He's a bit older, but he's improved He's improved his lot and he's become a far better player. He, he rarely gives the ball away now. He, he's, you know, he, he takes his chance as well. But if he sees he's got two guys up there who, if, he, if they're in a better position to score goals, he will pass the ball to them. He won't run like a headless chicken like he used to do when he was at Dens, sometimes down in a, a, a blind alley up in the corner and go nowhere. Um, yeah. And I like Hibs. I like Dodge. I like... Uh, Nisbet and, and they're playing well so St Johnston have got it all to do but dearie me I mean what a story this is I mean even um, I remember I think Dundee got to Dundee won the League Cup in the 50s and got to the Scottish Cup final and, and, and lost but even United in their pomp never got to you know the chance of doing a double if Callum Davidson can do a double you know a cup double with St Johnston I mean that'll, that'll go I mean he's, he's already down in history but in the history of Scottish football you know for a you know a provincial club to do something like that, the cup double, what an achievement that would be! So, yeah, fair play to them, and they they do have a chance. They do have a real chance. Sorry, I was just uh, 
just taking my teeth out of my tongue there. Um, I was too busy <laughs> bite, biting it when you were uh, slagging St. Murn too much there. I was, yeah. uh, still, a bit, still a bit close to the bone, mate. Um, yeah, after, no, I, I feel you After the weekend there. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. It's um, a very interesting game, good for, for Scottish football. If St. Johnston do it, it'll be the first team to have uh, done the double in over 30 years. I think it was Aberdeen in 1990, the last team out mm-hmm. with the, the old firm to do that. So um, incredible achievement if they can they can pull it off. We'll be, be wishing them all the luck in the world. Um, George, fans in the stadium for the game do you think UEFA have given it the green light um, the SFA are now just speaking to the Scottish government to see if they can have up to 3,000 inside Hamden which would be fantastic yeah it looks it's looking good um, I'm hoping uh, if I'm at the playoff final next week there might be fans there as well so it's, yeah, it's certainly going going in the right direction um, and it would be so strange honestly it's going to be weird I've been all season with, with no, no punters there Remember, I did the uh, Dundee played Inverness when Inverness were allowed fans earlier in the season, and it was yeah, it was all, I was like, who's shouting? What's going on here? It's, it's <laughs> such a strange because we got so used to it, uh, but we've also missed the kind of that night. There was a bit of pantomime villain action. They were all booing uh, James McPeak and stuff like that. So the, that sort of stuff we've missed. I think the kind of theatre of of football with the fans in the, in the stands. So it would be fantastic because the Scottish yeah. Cup is such a special day but George, in the calendar. George, am I missing a trick here? Because, I mean, 3,000 inside Hamden. I mean, there was 4,000 well, at the Brits, I think, during the week. I mean, what's... I mean, <laughs> well, surely they could get more, more than 3,000. And it's an outdoor event. Surely we can, we can push, think push so? the... Push it to ten thousand, you would think. I think. I think. I think the issue is getting people in and out. It's. It's. Right. They're more worried about that, I think, than actually during the ninety minutes. But yeah, you're right. It, it does seem because there's going to be twelve thousand, isn't there, at the the Euro in the Euros in the summer? Yeah, yeah. Hamden's month. Hamden's pretty much prepared for that. So um, I think that's uh, the argument is sort of like you know the stadium set up for having having ten you know over ten thousand twelve thousand fans it's so. better than it's better than nothing that's where I'm, I'm my standpoint on it uh we've been so long well last march without punters uh in the stands and and that's what we need for the game and as i say for a cup final uh it's such a showpiece event i mean let's get some people in there shouting at, shouting at footballers <laughs> absolutely it's been a strange old season and uh yeah thank you for listening to this bizarre b podcast yet again this week we'll be back next week um, hopefully with a clearer picture of where Dundee are going in the playoffs and United season will be over so um, I'm sure we'll have plenty to wrap up and talk about but uh, yeah once again thanks for listening and we'll see you later goodbye If you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts all that really helps people find two teams one street and that means a lot to us don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>